0: Welcome back to our weekly shir in Kutras and Yonah uh, Shel And we are now on chapter 13 tonight. Imrat Hashem will be chapters 13 and 14. To recap, we are discussing how HaXsidis is etzim. What is etzim? We can translate it as essence, but what does essence mean? We said that in reality there are levels soul has levels. Torah interpretation has different levels. Um, we haven't spoken about it really yet, but the worlds have levels. There are four systems of reality, or four Eulamites worlds. Um, in fact, there are many examples of the, the four levels as they manifest within, within creation. Uh, and then there is Etzim. Etzim, is nothing, and it's everything, all at once. In terms of Torah interpretation, if this is etzem, that means it cannot be classified as any one of the four methods or approaches, pshat, as drosh, soyd, can't be classified as any one of those four, and yet somehow it is not only compatible with, but intrinsically linked to all four so it's none of the four but it's present within and has a, an, an intrinsic relationship with all four and the way we're demonstrating that i mean that's a very strong claim but the way we're demonstrating that is we learned all four we took a subject the first prayer that a jew says when when he or she wakes up and we looked at according to pshat according to remez according to drush according to soyd and then we did it with, according to chsidris showed how Hasidus wasn't like any of those other four. And now we're taking Hasidus and going back and looking at the first four through the lens of Hasidus, and what's coming out is that when you plug these four interpretations into the Hasidic lens, it's not that Hasidus is um, different from them. It, it is, it is, but it isn't, that's the whole paradox. Uh, it's it's distinct from them, but yet when you go look back at those four interpretations from the perspective of Chassidus, you see how basically it's like organically linked or unified. It's one thing. In other words, it's not like two separate things that you're putting together. Um, maybe can I say it like this? This is not exactly the Rebbe's words, but... Pshat becomes even more Pshat when seen through Chesidus. Remes becomes even more Remes. Drush becomes more Drush. it becomes more Soed. Each one of them is what it is, meaning has its distinct characteristics, and yet those characteristics come to life more vividly when seen through the perspective of Chesidus. So Chesidus is not one of the four Torah interpretation levels, and yet it's it's connected to all four of the levels, more than connected with it. It, it, it has a, I, I keep saying it has this intrinsic connection um, as opposed to something that's like superimposed from the outside. Uh, so at, at any rate, we demonstrated this with pshat. We went back and we looked at pshat. The pshat of Maidani is gratitude, You're thankful to Hashem that he gave back your soul. And then Exodus comes and says, yeah, let's clarify that even more. It doesn't just mean I'm I'm grateful to be able to get up and walk around and that my body's moving and my 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 lungs are breathing my heart is beating. As much as a mirror of a miracle as that is, but the gratitude is I have my soul. You know, there's the soul and there's the soul. I have my spiritual connection to Hashem, my uniquely Jewish spiritual connection to Hashem, and that's what my gratitude is for. So. Si comes and, and brings out a whole dimension from shot that was always there but it needed to be brought out okay so that's that's essentially what's happening here. all right um, now let's do this for drush uh, for Remes and then for Drush okay <sighs> chapter 13. Just like with Pshat, Ani doesn't add a new or additional explanation to the Pshat. Because even according to Pshat, the meaning is it's expressing gratitude that you got your soul back. So this isn't saying different than that. Allah, rather, what's it doing? It illuminates it. It brings clarity to that explanation itself. By clarifying what is that soul or that vitality of a Jew for which we are grateful. And what is it that we are grateful for? So with pshat again. The didn't say something different than pshat, it just sort of brought out clarity in the pshat. Pshat is gratitude for your soul. Chassidus says, yeah, even more, with, more precisely, gratitude for your Jewish soul, your connection to Hashem, not just the fact that you're walking around alive, but the fact that you have this essence within you that is one with God. Okay. Same thing with the level of remez. A as, well, as well as the drush, v'hasaid as well as the side, well shibemaydaani in explaining Maidani. and and Maidani is just our example. It would be there would be the same principle with any subject in Torah that we could study. She'achsidis mi'ira ma'afira es hapirushim elatm. She'achsidis comes and illuminates and clarifies the explanations on all four of those levels themselves, okay? So like, like we were saying before, this doesn't fit into any of those four categories, it's its own category, and yet it fits with all of those four categories. So, uh, and, and that's really, you know, one of the properties of an ETSAM, that it isn't any particular category and yet it has this natural and intrinsic link with all the categories. And, and in fact, all the categories are ultimately manifestations of it. And that's what we're trying to demonstrate here. Okay, let's do the rems The is of Maida'ani is that our thanking Hashem in the morning for giving us back our soul after sleeping, is a hint or an allusion to the gratitude we're going to have when Hashem returns the souls to the dead in the resurrection. Bli abir, shalach without sidus coming and explaining that more, hu rochek Seemingly, it's a very, let's call it far leap. He calls it a remez rochek. You know, a remez always means it's a step removed. That's what it means, a hint but then there could be like you're, you're hinting to the thing next to you or you're hinting to the thing, you know, in the next room over. So the Rebbe says here seemingly the gemas of Maidani, is a, it's a pretty big leap because how are you getting from waking up in the morning to resurrection of the dead? You're going from something that's mundane and literally a daily thing to something that has never happened yet, at least on any wholesale level and which will constitute an absolute revolution in the laws of nature. First of all, sleep is only a sixtieth of death, not actual death. But additionally, when you wake up and your soul comes back, all that's happening is reconnecting the soul to the body. It's like you have a, a charger and you've got to plug it into the wall outlet and boom, so you have the charger and you have the wall outlet, you just got to plug the two together. <laughs> but the resurrection is where you have to reinstate the body and the soul themselves. In other words, it's not just like when you wake up from sleep, you have two entities that just became separated and now you've got to plug them back into each other. No, here, the two entities are gone. The body is for sure gone, decomposed. And uh, even the soul that I was going to demonstrate here has also had its, so to speak, spiritual decomposition. Before resurrection, all the body has left of it that hasn't decomposed is the loose bone. So then you could infer that also the the soul, which has a relationship with the body, has also undergone a fundamental change. And then therefore in the time of resurrection, what will happen? A totally new body will be, an intact, complete body will be rebuilt from that one bone. The soul will also have to undergo its parallel rebuilding process, whatever whatever that means. It's hard for us, obviously, to wrap our heads around. I mean, can we wrap our heads around the the physical component of it either? But the the point is, both the body and the soul have to be rebuilt, not just reconnected. Therefore, learning that, that, that the return of the soul every morning is a, is a remez to the return of the souls to bodies at the time of the resurrection, it's a big leap. He calls it a simen ba'alma. It's just like a faint or a vague representation. They're, they're not very similar phenomena at all. At least seemingly when we just learn it on its own. All right. So what are we going to do? We're going to plug this into Chsidis and see if we get a better perspective. So Chassidus comes along and explains. Chsidis comes and explains. You want to know something even every morning when the soul comes back to the body. It's not just that the soul and the body are reconnecting. No, they're being completely rebuilt, brand new, from scratch. That's why, in fact, we say that every morning a person is a new creation. What does it mean, a new creation? Not just that he's renewed or rejuvenated or restored. He's newly created, as if he didn't exist Before. What do you mean I didn't exist before? I remember yesterday. I existed yesterday. I just needed to sleep to to refresh. No, you're not just refreshed. You are a new creation. How could that be? How can you be a new creation? Simple. Because really every single second the entire world is being renewed, something from nothing a fundamental concept of Qasibis, that the world is being recreated, something from nothing, every single second. You think that it's only two entities, the soul and the body, that need to be replugged, reconnected every morning? No, no, no. Actually, it's not just reconnecting them, it's making them from scratch brand new, and it's not just in the morning, although psychologically, subjectively, we feel it more in the morning, it's actually every single second. So then why do we compare this to waking up in the morning? Really, we should compare it to every single second. Because where we perceive most keenly that creation is being renewed is in the morning. You know, I heard a story once from uh, Simon Jacobson. His father, uh, Geshenberg, came back from the Soviet Union. I think he had an interview with Khrushchev or something. Anyways, he came back with all this, I mean, very heartbreaking information about the, the the Jews there in Russia. I think he had 350 names that he had to memorize because he couldn't write it down, obviously, it would endanger the people he spoke to. And he came back to New York and then the after a few days, the Rebbe called him in. The Rebbe explained why, why why he didn't call him in right away. He said because emotionally it was very difficult. Um, I mean, these were people who were languishing behind the Iron Curtain, and uh, so uh, all night, throughout the entire night, Geshenberg was telling uh, the Rebbe all all these names and reporting everything that was going on there in the Soviet Union. And it was clearly very, very, very painful for the Rebbe to hear about all these families. And it was like, uh, I don't know if we could, you know, say such things, you know, to read. You know, I don't want to put my own interpretations into it, but it was like a very grueling process for the Rebbe, like grueling and painful and uh, exhausting. And, and and it was all night. It was like an all night uh, discussion. Then at the end of the night, the sun started to come up and. Gershombert saw how the, the, the Rebbe got up, walked to the window of his room, looked outside, like saw the daylight breaking, and his expression totally changed from one of being exhausted and pained, hearing about all the things that are going on in the Soviet Union. All of a sudden, there was like this new expression that Rebbe looked like <laughs> all of that had been lifted. And there was like this sudden sense of hope and courage and enthusiasm as, as the Rebbe looked out the window and looked at the, the sun rising and, 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 and the Rebbe then said, ah, Anayatog, Anayatog, like a new day in Yiddish, a new day. Um, there is something very powerful about this idea of a new day. I mean, what literally changes from the second before dawn to the second after dawn, and yet there is something about that um, transition from the one day leaving and a new day beginning. Of course, halachically, a day in Judaism ends uh, at, at with daylight and begins with dark, which is another discussion. But our experience of days, you know, um, you know, sleep on that, and you know. Time is the best editor, you know, go to sleep and wake up and, and take a look back at your project in the morning, right? Um, there's something very powerful from a human perspective about a new day, anayatog. So that's the idea here, that ani is actually testifying to a, a constant truth that creation is brand new every single second. And really, you know, these, these are quick classes. We do a 30 minute class and we don't really have time to do this uh, justice, but the idea of creation ex nihilo, the idea of something from, yesh that creation is something from nothing, really is something that needs to be explained at length. Of course, if you're interested, you should study Shara Yichar Ve'amona, the second chilek of Tanya, where it's explained there at length, the, the idea of how creation isn't just being revivified, every second, like Hashem is just giving it its life force, but much more than that. It's very existence. Not just its life, its existence. The fact that it's a something and not nothingness as it was before the six days of creation. That's constantly happening. So, really, that I was flipping. <laughs> we started off saying, how can you even compare waking up in the morning and the soul coming back to the body to trias Mason? soul coming back in the morning is, is two things that already exist just being reconnected. Tres HaMesim, the, the body broke down, the soul on, in, in, in its way has broken down and they have to be remade and then reconnected. So how can you compare the two? Now comes Chassidus and says, no, actually it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Tres amesim, the resurrection, <laughs> that's not as amazing as what's going on every single second. Every single second, Hashem is making everything from absolute nothing. So, <laughs> what, what's, what's a stretch? Is, it's a stretch to say waking up in the morning is, is, it can be compared to resurrection. What's going on every single second is much more marvelous of a phenomenon than the resurrection. The amitus hergishzeh, the feeling that creation is new, something from nothing. And being able to tune into that, at least in the morning, at the beginning of the day, That comes from Yechida. Let me explain something here real quick. I, I mentioned the four worlds before. Now we're going to speak about them explicitly, how they correspond to the four soul levels. The four levels of the soul. Each one of them is in a world. Nefesh ba'asiyah, nefesh corresponds to the world of Asiyah. Ruach, the soul level of ruach, corresponds to Yitzira. Neshama, the soul level of Neshama. B'briah corresponds to the level of The V'chayah, the level of Chayah, corresponds ba'atzilos, to the level, to the world of Atsilos. Harimash so So each one of them corresponds to a different world. And so what they relate to is the idea of a world. You know, first of all, the word "world" in Lush and Kedish is "alum," which is from the Shoidish, the etymological root "ayin lam and mem," which means Halam, concealment." So, a world is a concealment. Creation conceals Creator. So, from the, four, the the perspective of the four soul levels, which correspond to the four worlds or levels of creation, creation is obvious, and Creator is more of a philosophical concept. However, the perspective that no creation is the novelty, creator is the axiom. Who That that would be a wild idea for the four soul levels. Only yechida which transcends the four worlds, nirgeshatslam it intuitively senses Shakola ein that the worlds are actually being created every single second and have no independent reality, the hu Hidush gamor and they're actually constantly being recreated per se, they must be recreated because they don't have their own existence on the, uh, the, independently. tamid and they're constantly being renewed. So that's, again, a connection to Yechidah From a perspective of Nefesh and Ruach and Neshama and even of Chaya, um, it's not troubled by the idea you know, of how is there an ongoing existence of creation. Of course there's creation creation is reality I mean that's re- reality is reality as we know it right the, the the reality that started with creation so of course that's always there only Yeda comes and says no the essence of reality transcends creation it came before creation it in certain ways is is existing after creation that from a perspective of Yechidah there's an essence of reality that has nothing to do with whether or not created reality came into being. And therefore created reality demands an explanation, meaning it requires explanation. From the perspective of Yechida, you have to explain, don't, don't take for granted, oh, this is reality, it's always been here. The reality as we know it. No, no, that's, that's a perspective from the four soul levels. From the perspective of Yechida, it's a weird thing that there are, that, that there, there is created reality. And therefore, it requires some explanation. And that explanation is that it's being put here, recreated, something from nothing, every single second. And if not, it would revert to its uh, essential non-existence, which was its eternal state before it was compelled into existence. That makes sense. So basically, what we just said here, Rem is according to Chesidus, is the idea that um, you're gonna, that, that, that you're gonna say, well, how can you even compare waking up in the morning to something as monumental as resurrection? And we say, no, 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 <laughs> it's the opposite. How can you compare the resurrection to something as monumental as the ongoing existence of reality every single second? That's the real kiddush. That's the real novelty. It's just that from a psychological point of view where we're most tuned in is on a more uh, each morning when it happens you know when uh, when, a, when a new day breaks and and that's why we say Maidani then when a new day breaks because that's a moment when we're most uh on a human level most able to tap into that feeling of how things are being created new um and that just as they're being created new, body and soul are created new every single second, surely body and soul will be created anew uh, at the time of resurrection. And we will give thanks at that time as well. May it be uh, very, very soon. Okay, let's continue. Chapter 14. Here is the way that Chesidus clarifies and. vitalizes, vitalizes and clarifies the level of drush. What was the level of drush? He's going to recap. Remember, we said, just like Hashem, He gives you back your soul every morning. He doesn't hold it over you as leverage. So too, if you have a debtor, and then you come by some possession of his, you shouldn't hold on to it. and refuse to give it back to him until he pays the debt. So that explanation, Bli habir if you don't have Chassidus, again, like we did with Remez, we are saying, if you don't have Chassidus, what are you going to think? So here with Drosh, if you don't have Chassidus, what are you going to think? Avon doesn't make sense. Afkid Let's talk sense. This guy owes this guy money. Li and he has no way of getting paid. It's called unsecured debt, right? so if he has an opportunity to gain some leverage, i.e. what we call collateral, why not let him use it? Why is it any different from when somebody gets stolen from, and if he can't get his, his property back through the courts, so he's actually permitted to tell somebody else go buy my stolen object from that guy, even though you're not supposed to buy stolen objects, but this is the way that he has of recovering his property, and we allow him to do so. So here, why not allow him to use the, this method of, of recovering his property? It doesn't make sense not to allow him that. <speaking in Spanish> so Chassidus comes and explains. You want to know something? All mitzvahs, even mitzvahs that seemingly have an explanation. They're all really just Hashem's will, which will transcends wisdom. Even when will comes down into a reason. You know, sometimes you want something and then you figure out why. And I don't just mean a rationalization. I mean, will, by definition, can't be rational or irrational. It's, it transcends rationale. But then after you have a will, you could figure out what rationale it is consistent with. But even after will comes down into wisdom, like when we learn Torah, we learn Hashem's Chokmah, it Hashem's wisdom, it still remains Hashem's Rotzing. That's why even the mitzvahs, what we call mishpatim, the mitzvahs that seemingly make sense, you're supposed to perform them with the same pure Kabbalah's oil acceptance of the yoke of heaven as when you do the mitzvahs that we call chukim, mitzvahs that have no rational explanation. What's the difference? It's just there are some mitzvahs that Torah itself calls Mishpatim because the, the reason that's above rationale, or rather the will that's above reason comes down into reason. So now you're supposed to do it also according to its... Uh, rational explanation. In other words, this is not a leniency, it's a stringency. When there's a mitzvah that has an explicable reason, or a reason that makes sense to human intellect, it's not that that reason now becomes, instead of doing it purely because it's God's will, it's in addition to Like I said, it's not a leniency, it's a stringency. So chukim, it's very simple what the intention is. You do a chuk because it's Hashem's will. mishpatim Like, don't steal, don't lie, you know, pay back damages. Those mitzvahs, now you have to do them for two reasons. You have to do it because it makes sense, and, like any mitzvah, you have to do it because it's Hashem's will that you would do even if it didn't make sense. But since it also happens to make sense, so you do it for that reason as well. As well, in addition, not instead of. Now, all mitzvahs are Hashem's will, And Hashem and His will are one. Just like, philosophically, it's impossible to say that Hashem exists for any other entity but Himself. In other words, He needs no justification for His existence. He needs no cause for His effect. He just is. So to His mitzvahs, don't need... A justification. They don't need a reason. You know, if you have a, a city council gets together and passes some new ordinances, you have to have reasons. Why did you pass those ordinances? Ah, oh, we just needed something to do. No, you have to have reasons. But mitzvahs don't have to have reasons. Just like Hashem doesn't have to reason. It just doesn't have to have a reason to exist. The mitzvahs don't have to have a reason. Why? Because the mitzvahs are Hashem. Because mitzvahs are Hashem's will, and Hashem and His will are one. So in in, in our case, mitzvahs of this mitzvah of giving back the collateral, even though you need it for leverage to get paid, which doesn't make sense why you should have to do that. But the goal of this mitzvah is not only for the benefit of the depositor, that his article should be returned the him, no, returning it itself is a purpose so it's not just to be a nice guy it's a mitzvah or what's the purpose of the mitzvah, what does it accomplish who says it has to have an extrinsic purpose who says it has to accomplish anything other than just being done so therefore even when he hasn't paid it back what does one thing have to do with the other? You're still obligated to return it to him. So if it were a rational thing, then I understand. Well, normally I would do the mitzvah of giving you back your collateral, but in this case, I have no other way to recover my debt, so I'm not going to. Well, yeah, if the mitzvah were in order to, you know, make sense, then that would, then that would make sense. But no, the mitzvah is for the sake of the mitzvah. Hashem wants it. Why does he want it? Because he wants it. That's what what desire means. He likes it because he likes it. So therefore, you do it just for the sake of doing it, even when it doesn't accomplish what you want it to accomplish. And let me add, not only it doesn't accomplish what you want it to accomplish, it runs counter to what you're trying to accomplish, which is getting your money back. But it doesn't matter, because a mitzvah doesn't have to make sense. In fact, no mitzvah makes sense. Even the ones that make sense don't make sense. It also happens to make sense. But the essence of it is it's just what Hashem likes. It's his preferences, his peculiarities and idiosyncrasies. And where do you think that feeling comes from? That feeling that mitzvahs are just what Hashem wants, even when they happen to also make sense? That hergish, that sensitivity comes from the yichida. Because the four levels of the soul each of the four levels connect to another aspect of godliness. So they relate to Hashem's will as Hashem's will is expressed in a particular level. But has no particular uh, form and it's not looking for anything else other than its intrinsic oneness with Hashem. Its connection to Hashem is from Hashem. So it relates to the concept of Hashem's will in the purest sense of the of, of that term, which is that the purpose of the will is the will itself. I mean, let me try to clarify. We're going late here, but usually a will is to attain something else. And that's why it's it's kind of funny. Say, well, God wants something. Isn't he perfect? So, you know, when we're wanting something, that means we're lacking. Like that, everyone said about we want Mashiach now. He said he likes the English because it implies that we are lacking Mashiach. It's true. When we say right? Hashem wants something. It doesn't imply that he's lacking anything, because he's everything. So really, he wants something within himself. Everything's within him. So it's not desire as we understand desire. Desire means not, I want it because of what I'm going to get to. No, the Ratzin is this is what I want because this is what I want. Now, it sounds like cir- circular logic, and frankly it is. But that's what Etsum is. Etsum is, it's not for the sake of anything else. So, therefore, Hashem wants you to put on tefillin because, well, we could give different selling points. And on the level of nefish and ruach and neshama and chaya, we probably would. and We'd tell you how it'll help you to, I don't know, Discipline your mind and your heart or we'll tell you how it'll order your day or we'll tell you how it'll connect you to your Ancestors or whatever where it's time for meaningful meditation To you you know what we would say some once you put on film Why because once you put on film, but what is putting on film accomplish, you know, putting on film accomplishes putting on film and It's the same thing with a mitzvah like not using that call them, not using that uh, that property as collateral, you're going to say, "Well, uh, surely there, you know, we're going to, you know, evaluate that on logical criteria because the whole thing is, you know, it's about you know uh, a, a business relationship. It's about tikkun olam. It's about you know the society running properly." No, 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 no. It's it's also basically just Hashem's desire. He wants you to give back the collateral because he wants you to give back the collateral even when that won't help you to achieve what you want it to achieve. Because it intrinsically achieves what it achieves, which is, <clears throat> it's what Hashem wants. Now, again, that is a very hard thing to sell, to nefesh, to ruch, to neshama, to chaya, because those four levels want a payoff, They want a reason. I mean, even on, even a religious reason, you could say, well, it'll be meaningful to you, right? It'll be meaningful. It'll be inspiring. It'll help you be selfless, right? But from Yechidah, it doesn't need a, 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 a selling point. It's just Hashem's will. And that's it. That's good enough for me. So just to recap the drush here. The drush is that um, just like Hashem gives back our soul, doesn't hold it hostage on us, um, we should give back the peccodding to somebody even though they owe us money. And we're saying, well, how does that make sense? And the answer is, it doesn't make sense. It's a mitzvah. Mitzvahs don't have to make sense. Sometimes they do, but um, really a mitzvah is Hashem's will. And Hashem's will is one with Him. Therefore, His will is synonymous with Him. And just like He doesn't need a justification to be who He is or to exist, Hashem's will, his mitzvahs, don't need a justification. They don't have to accomplish anything outside of themselves. Now they do. It happens to be that mitzvahs refine the world, and they're good for society, and they're good for us. But that's not the point. Yechida doesn't care about any of that. From the perspective of Yechida, the mitzvah is the mitzvah because it's a mitzvah. Just like you are you because you are you. That's Yechida. And Hashem is Hashem because Hashem is Hashem. It sounds so simple, but it's not so simple. Okay, we uh, ran way over time. I apologize, and uh, good night.